In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, the gospel lesson today is from Matthew chapter 15. And this is about the Canaanite woman whose daughter was uh, demon-possessed or oppressed. The Greek is very clear here. It just says that she was demonized. And this woman cries out to Jesus for help several times. And, and then we see Jesus' reaction. And I would say that this text is probably the most difficult, or one of the most difficult texts to preach on in the church here. Uh, this very text on the Canaanite woman. Uh, precisely because it offends so many people. That's especially Jesus' reaction. Uh, But before that account, what I want to talk about is this, the context, before we get to him uh, interacting with this Canaanite woman. The context, and to give you the full picture and comparison here of these events, the context is that earlier, the Pharisees tested Jesus. So they went up to Jesus, they tested him, and then Jesus responded, he rebuked the Pharisees, Uh, And he pointed out their specific sin, their actual sin, which was that they were using God's name to uh, not to help their parents, but to keep their money for themselves. So this is how this is how their thinking went. They said, look, uh, I could take the money I have right now and help my father and mother. Or I could hold on to the money and just tithe that for the rest of my life to the church. And what did they choose to do? They said, I'm just going to hold on to it and tithe uh, for the rest of uh, my life. And I'm not going to help my parents. And then Jesus rebukes them and says, well, there's a whole commandment about this. It's the fourth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. And what you're doing is you're not honoring them. You're just finding a way, a loophole, so that you can keep all the money for yourself. And Jesus calls them out on this. And he rebukes them for that sort of evil, uh, manipulative thinking. That's, it's, it's a very filthy, evil way to think. Um, they, they, they masked their sin under piety to say, look, what, we would have, what you would have gained from me, father and mother, that I would give to God. And then they never really did. Their parents ended up dying first, and then they just used the money however they wanted. So Jesus rebuked them and their greed. And he called them hypocrites. And then he says this. He says, well did uh, the Isaiah, the prophet, prophesy about you. He says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine what the commandments of men. That's what's going on here. And then a little bit later, this is the part I want to focus on. A little bit later, the disciples say to Jesus, they say, Hey, by the way, Jesus, did you know that the Pharisees were offended when you said those things to them? When you called them hypocrites and when you said uh, that they were uh, worshiping you in vain, all that sort of stuff you said, that was really harsh. It came off a little strong and now they're offended. So they're all angry with us. Um, they were offended, and the, the word there in Greek is scandalized. They were caused to stumble, not because Jesus sinned in any way, but because of the truth, because they, they were confronted with reality. 
The Pharisees then were not just upset with Jesus, but they were opposed to him. Especially from that point forward, it's, it's just mounting this pressure against the Lord. It's as if they said something like, well, how dare Jesus say that to me? How dare he speak that way to me, a Pharisee? We're the best of the best. We're the best people. We're the kindest. We tithe the most. We're the uh, best in all these ways. So how dare he speak to me? Does he even know who we, we are? Does he know who I am? So from that point forward, they tried to get rid of him by testing him, by silencing him, and then eventually killing him. That's the context. Nowadays, we can't physically kill Jesus. We can't get rid of him. But what we can do, and what we oftentimes do, is we get rid of his word instead. We want him to stop talking, stop speaking. Don't say the things that you have said. When people are offended by God's word, when, uh, when the Lord rebukes their sin or that person or corrects them or calls them to repentance, then there's a temptation to cut out that word, to get rid of it. There's a number of examples I could give. I'm going to give a few examples here of how this is done in practice. But one example here is from a book that I read about last year this time. I think it was after the week after this Sunday last year. And I kept it in my mind until this year, for a whole year, saying I'm going to bring that up in the sermon. Well, this is, a, there's a book I read. It's called, I'm not recommending this, don't read it. But it's called Shameless, A Sexual Revolution. And it's by a woman named Nadia Boltz Weber. Um, it's maybe shameful that I'm even uh, saying this, but uh, she is in the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. She thinks that she is a pastor. She is pro-abortion. She is pro the LGBTQ ideologies uh, and sin. Um, she has. She's very left and liberal in these ways. She gives an account in this book, which is a, a terrible book, account of a girl named Cindy. Uh, we have to be careful because one of our members here is named Cindy, so this is not her. Um, don't take this out of context. But this is the Cindy. This is a different Cindy, uh, and it is a. She is then in this book a homosexual, and she's giving this as a positive example. So this is the story, the story of Cindy. I'm leaving out some parts of the story because it's just simply inappropriate. Uh, but she marries a worship leader. Uh, she's conflicted. She ends up having an affair. She gets divorced about 10 months later. She feels judgment from God because of what the Word of God says about divorce and adultery and these sort of things. Um, she begins to hurt herself. And then the text says this, that um, she finds healing. And this is what it says. Cindy found healing, but at first it was outside of Christianity. At a Lakata sweat lodge in Wyoming. Gathered with a dozen women in the extreme darkness and heat, she prayed to God without doctrine, without judgment, without the distraction of having to be or say or believe anything in particular. She sat in a circle with others again, like at youth retreats. 
One weekend, Cindy arrived early so she could burn something in the fire. She stood outside the lodge with a couple of her close friends by her side who knew all of the history and this stuff going on. Cindy reached into her bag and took out her Bible. Slowly, without words, she tore out eight very specific pages from her Bible, namely those that mentioned homosexuality, and she burned them one by one in the fire. As she stood there watching the inferno, she felt as if the people of her childhood church, the youth workers and the pastors and other adults rose from the grave of her psyche and stood in judgment of her around that fire. She saw them, but she didn't care. She was allowing herself to be free, but she wasn't quite done. Cindy then tore out the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The story of Jesus had never hurt her. Jesus had never asked her to split. So with the right hand, she clutched the pages of the gospels over her heart, and with her left, she tossed the Bible the rest of the Bible in to burn. That is the excerpt. That's what happened. And this was quoted as a positive example, something that is good, a good thing to do. Uh, someone finding healing in this by cutting out the very words of God. She was offended by God's word and she cut it out and she burned it. Now, some, yes, there are some who literally do this. There are people in the world, don't be shocked, there are people who literally do this sort of thing, just as you heard. But most people don't. Most people will do something else. What they will do is that, very cleverly, they will skip or ignore those parts of the Bible. Those eight pages, they'll just flip by them very quickly, or just not read them. Or they will find a church with a pastor who does it for them. With a pastor who just simply ignores or neglects or refuses to speak against homosexuality or men dressing as women or cohabitation or promiscuity or divorce or abortion or uh, to speak for the roles of men and women or to speak against um, uh, women being pastors or uh, lectors in the church, or communion assistants, things like this. Or, people will leave the church when the pastor does speak of these things. That when they hear him say these things, and say that they are indeed sins before the face of God, who made you, and who owns all things, that they offend him, then they will get offended, and then they will leave. And then they will find a church that doesn't say these things. And so this is where the phenomenon of the church hopper comes from. Uh, this church said something offensive, so I'm going to go to another one that doesn't. Or people get offended by the smallest disagreements or little things like this. Um, they'll find a church that doesn't offend or have any assertions or clarity or truth of God's word. Now, with all that being said, I want you to keep that in mind. Just keep that section, everything that I just read to you or and said to you in mind. Now, I want you to consider what happens next. After Jesus confronts the Pharisees, and I told you how this sort of happens, that people get offended even today. Uh, now we come to the Canaanite woman afterward. Now consider this. This is Matthew 15. It's very difficult. It's awkward. 
and it is uh, seemingly offensive. There's this Canaanite woman, her daughter is demonized, and she goes up to Jesus and she says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. And what does Jesus do? He's helped women before, he's cast out demons before, but what does he do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He ignores her and he keeps walking. And the scriptures say he did not answer her a word. Not one word, not a, n- nothing. <laughs> then the, the Greek there says that she is presently, actively, continually crying out. So she's crying out over and over and over. So she's saying this, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Have mercy on me. She's saying it over and over to the point that Jesus is ignoring her for so long that the disciples start to get annoyed. And they're now upset. And they say to Jesus, well, Jesus, send her away. Just give her what she wants because she's crying out after us now. And then Jesus responds, not to the woman, but to his disciples. And he turns to them and he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She's not an Israelite. She's a Canaanite. And he says, I was sent to the Israelites. And then the Canaanite woman comes up again and she kneels before Jesus. So as Jesus is walking, she throws herself before his feet so he can't move anymore. And then she just says, Lord, help me. And then you would think that at this point, Jesus would relent. But he says, he says to her, it is not right. It is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. He said it to her. I think this might be the harshest reply from Jesus in all of the Gospels, in all of the Scriptures. Luther has this quote here. He says something like, If Jesus had spoken to me this way, I would have run away crying to the hills, if he even talked to me that way. Some liberal pastors actually have tried to explain the text away. And some will say, well, dog here means like puppy. And everybody loves puppies, right? So he's really, it's really a term of endearment. Right? Well, that's a problem because he, he compares children and dogs here. Um, others will apologize for Jesus and say, you know what? I don't know what's going on in his mind. I don't know what he's going through, but he's having a bad day. Uh, and and I, I saw one theologian say that by him healing the daughter, that was his way of saying, I'm sorry for the way I treated you. Yeah. Um, others have said even that Jesus was being racist here, that he sinned, uh, that he's racist against the Canaanites or something. Now, what I want to point out to you is this, and this is the most remarkable thing ever. Everyone is offended by Jesus' words to this woman, except for this woman. This woman is not offended by Jesus' words, no matter how harsh they were. Everyone else is fighting back and they're offended and they say, how dare you talk to somebody like that way? How could you do that? Except for that woman. She doesn't defend herself. She doesn't justify herself. She doesn't uh, try and make excuses or anything. Jesus calls her a dog. And the first word out of her mouth is what? Yes. She doesn't disagree. She just says, yes. Yes, Lord. Indeed. Certainly. 
You call me a dog and that is what exactly what I am. I don't deserve to be called any better. I don't deserve to be called a child. Yes, I'm a dog. And then she comes back with this, the most beautiful reply. She says, but even, Lord, the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And that is probably the most beautiful sentence I think a human has ever uttered in response to Jesus. And the very best word in that response is there, the third person possessive pronoun. She says, crumbs that fall from their master's table. Which is to say, yes, I'm a dog, but Lord, I am your dog. Yes, I don't care if I'm not at the table. I'm happy to be in your home, even if it's in the lowest place. I don't get the loaf. I get it. I don't get the bread. I don't get the meal. I don't get the plate before me, but I only want the crumbs that fall from the table. And then Jesus turns to her and says, O woman, great, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very moment. So what's the difference here? The Pharisees are called out for their sin. They're called hypocrites. They cut out the word. They try to get rid of Jesus. They're offended. And then you have this woman who is hearing some of the harshest words from the lips of Jesus. And what is the difference? Why do the others get offended but not the Canaanite woman? Well, let me put it this way. Uh, Those who get offended, it is because they think highly of themselves. They think they deserve better treatment. So they say, don't correct me and don't rebuke me. It's like an equation, like some sort of math equation or something. The, The more highly you think of yourself, the more easily offended you get. You see this? And uh, the, the more lowly you are, then the less offended you get. If you think high of yourself, then you are sensitive and you are offended at everything. Everything offends you. Any little disagreement, any little difference of opinion, it shakes your, your entire worldview. Uh, and the, the, the symptoms of this is that any sort of dis- discussion results in intense emotion and anger and vitriol. That's what's going on. Uh, But by the way, just a footnote here, being easily offended doesn't mean you're right. It means you're weak. It means you have a weak will. Your soul is very weary and weak. Now, like I said, the reverse is true. The more humble you are, the less offended you get. Harsh words don't affect you in the same way. Ultimately, what I'm pointing out here is that this isn't a sermon about personality traits. It's a sermon about faith in Christ. The question is this. Why do some get offended by Jesus' word and not others? Why are the Pharisees offended and not this Canaanite woman? And the answer is because those offended by Jesus think highly of themselves. They have a high opinion and view of themselves. But those who are not offended by the Lord... Think highly of the Lord. They think highly of Jesus. They have a high opinion of Him. That he, He's the one who, who can say these things to me. 
The Canaanite woman has a faith that is stronger than her own feelings. A love of Christ that is greater than her love of herself. And what was her high opinion of Christ? What is it that makes her faith so great? It's not because she thought he was powerful and almighty only. He is those things. But the reason she thought uh, and had a high opinion of him and the reason her faith was great was because she believed that even though Christ is the Son of God, heavenly, high, and holy, and powerful, that he will have mercy upon poor, miserable sinners. That was her opinion of the Lord. And it was true. She knew that even though he is holy and completely righteous without sin, he came to be gracious and merciful even to dogs, even to the lowest. Dear saints, great, great faith, and your faith is then great when you believe the same thing about Jesus. When you know yourself, when you know, as you confessed at the beginning of the service, that you are indeed a poor, miserable sinner. You're not just giving lip service to this, but you stand before the throne of God, not as a child, but even as a worm because of all of your sins that you've done in this life. But when you know that and believe that the Lord is gracious even to you, in your mountain of sin, then you think highly of the Lord, knowing and trusting and repenting of your sins, uh, trusting in the Lord that to be gracious and merciful to you. The Lord who then took upon himself all of your sins and died for them, who didn't think it was too far beneath him to take all of your uh, bad habits, all of your sins, all of your adultery and your lust and your anger, and to, 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 to take the punishment in himself for it. So dear saints, trust that Christ took upon himself all of your offenses against God, that he suffered punishment for your offenses against him. And don't be angry or offended when God calls you to repent of your sin. Because when he does so, he does it to forgive you. He does it to wipe your sins away, to increase your trust in him. He does it to forgive you of everything you've ever done. And to include you in his kingdom. Dear saints, today you receive not just crumbs from your master's table. Today you are not under the table. Today you are at the table with Jesus. You are a child of God. He has taken you who, do, who has no business being here. Who has no business being with the Lord. He has taken you and put you in his kingdom. And he feeds you not just bread but his very body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. How highly the Lord thinks of you. How great the Lord loves you in this way. That he gives everything he has for you. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.